This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am so delighted to be here with Natha Campanella. She is a professional astrologer and we chat about so many incredible things in this conversation, all about sun and moon and different signs and the elements and we talk about how she started her business and it's just a really beautiful expansive conversation and Natha has such an incredible way of bringing these topics which can be a little bit complicated and a little bit confusing and really letting them be super accessible and easy to understand so I can't wait for you to listen. Welcome. I am so excited for you to be here. I'm really excited that we get to have this conversation too. Thank you so much for having me. And it's really cool because we're recording this on, it's a new moon, right? And so I thought maybe we could just start for people listening who are dabbling in astrology, you know, and I want to get into sun signs and, you know, rising and moon and those kinds of things. But I know a lot of people talk about the new moon and the full moon and sort of anchoring in on that. So for someone that knows nothing about it, what does that mean? And how do we tap into that energy? I mean, the moons are always really powerful for us. And one of the ways that we can prove that that's true is that we really, you know, we're affected by the water. So when there's a, when, when there's a lunation, right, the moon is impacting the tides, right? The moon makes the tides go in and out because the moon can cause the water on the earth to bulge and contract. So that same thing happens in our body. When we have like a full moon, it tends to really feel like a lot of energy. We are seeing the entire, well, we're seeing half of the moon. So it's like, and the moon represents in astrology, our emotions, So a lot of times in a full moon, we're seeing like up front and center, like, wow, what is happening in our lives that really needs our attention, that needs to be released in some way. And so that's what we say with a full moon is that it's the energy of release. It's also the energy of like high emotions. And then on the flip side, when we have a new moon, it's dark and we can't see it. So what ends up happening is that we kind of have to go into the unconscious or into the places that are less obvious and and kind of use our senses, go a little bit more introverted to really touch in with the subtleties of what are the subtle pieces of our emotions that are really impacting us and that we're feeling right now. So moons are always a really good place to start if you're astrology curious and you don't know much about it. Start to pay attention to when there's a new moon and a full moon and You can do that just by Googling it, or you can go on Instagram and everyone's talking about it, but they're, they give us really powerful opportunities to do interpersonal work in terms of being able to see ourselves and our emotions more clearly so that we can either bolster what's there, or we can clear what we don't want. Hmm. 
I love that. And then each moon cycle appears in a different zodiac sign. So which with each of those, it has different qualities and things to like learn and discover, right? Exactly. That's a good point is that each new moon and full moon has a theme because when the moon is full, it's directly across the sky from the sun and the sun is shining all of its bright light on the moon. So we're always looking at the sign of the sun and the full moon is going to be in the sign opposite. And when we have a new moon, the sun and the moon are together and the sun is actually shining its light on the backside of the moon, which is why we can't see it from earth, but they're always going to be in the sign that the sun is in. So that's kind of an easy thing to think about is, you know, right now, as we're speaking, it's, we are coming up on a new moon in Pisces and it's Pisces season. So we're dealing with all of these strong Piscean energies, which are kind of confusing energies. They're very magical. <laughs> yeah. I would put it that way for sure. <laughs> I love, first of all, it's so funny because I think when people who are not connected to woo or mystical things, think about astrology, it feels so out there. And meanwhile, as you're talking, you are rocking the science behind it in a way that I have never been able to understand or connect to. And it's like, you're like a science genius because you know, astrology. And I think it's so funny that people are like, oh my gosh, astrology, like that's silly or that's, you know, they don't really understand what's behind it. And it's really the complete opposite is in having to deeply know and understand how our universe works. Yeah. And I mean, astrology is really just where we take the planets in the sky and they are assigned archetypes. And a lot of the archetypal stories behind what each planet represents and each sign has um, comes from mythology, from ancient mythology. And like, if you really want to sort of veer out from the more like woo-woo side of it, if you just look at the planets astronomically, we will see that history completely repeats itself based on the placements of the planets in the sky. So, you know, yes, astrology, some people are like, yeah, but how can you assign an archetype to mm -hmm. the moon and have that represent your emotions? What does that mean? But truth is like, no, we feel it. And I've done thousands of chart readings and they're all really different. And people are always, you know, I always ask, does this resonate? is this making sense for you in your life? And they're just like, oh my right. God, how did you know that? So I don't know how it works, but I do know that there's some real basis behind it. And these ancient wisdoms and these ancient archetypes are there and continue on, like you're saying, for a reason, because all of these things, these patterns, these cycles, these things that have been passed down. And it's almost like, now we're connecting with them. Like we're the latecomers to it who are just connecting with it because all of the people that lived before us lived everything based on those cycles and those patterns. Yes. And you know, another example that's occurring to me. So Venus is a planet that represents love and beauty and attraction and pleasure. And right now Venus is visible in the Eastern sky right before the sun rises. And so if any of you listening get a chance and you're up early enough, go look at Venus because she is absolutely beautiful. So you can see why the ancients would have looked at this particular planet and said, she's amazing. She's sparkly. She's shiny. She's shimmery. And, you know, of course she represents love and beauty and desire. And 
So there's some really cool little ways that you can kind of get in and understand the archetypes from that perspective as well. Mm, I love that. So one of the things that I'm curious about, and I alluded to this before we hopped on, is that I think I have noticed that around a new moon, which we're in now, I don't feel as great. My body physically, I thought sleeping is great. Um, I feel sort of sick or just not in my typical healthy, strong body. Is that a new moon correlation? Well, I mean, it depends because a lot of women will cycle either they'll bleed on the new moon or they'll bleed on the full moon. So depending on where your cycle is, there could definitely be some connection to that. Um, also, just to get kind of technical, you know, like right now, everything is in Pisces, the sun and the moon are in Pisces. And so we don't know where Pisces lands in your personal natal chart, but you know, it could be the sun and the moon could be traveling over some of your planets that get impacted every time the sun and the moon travel over those planets. Like, mm -hmm. so it's hard to say, does a new moon make you feel unwell? We don't know. There probably are some other factors, astrological factors that we could get into and look at. But I will say that Pisces as a sign is really porous and sensitive and when we look at the world and what's going on in the world, it's like they're, they're pumping so much fear and destabilization into everywhere we look. And that means that the collective are feeling it. And if you're sensitive at all, if you identify as an empath, well, you're feeling everybody else's stress too. And that can make you feel run down. It can make you feel exhausted. It can make you feel like I just need some space. I need... Um, to come back to myself. Mm, I love that. And it's bringing up for me too, that I do have a journaling and meditation practice, but I don't have one that I've correlated with the planets or with my own astrological chart. So for people that are looking to maybe dive into that, are there some tips that you have to better be able to make those connections? Yeah, I mean, you can very easily, actually, I have a free ebook on the front page of my website that is just very simple. It lays out all sorts of very simple astrology. So that's an option. It's oh, not definitely, we'll link to that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, link to it, link <laughs> yeah. to it. Because that, it, that kind of just gives you a baseline for what you're looking for. But you can go on any website and get a free natal chart. You just need your date of birth and location and time. And it'll print out a chart. Now, astrology is definitely like, it's like a different language, so it can be very intimidating. But if you have a guide, you can just correlate, you know, this means this, and it will give you some ideas. I would say start by looking at your sun sign first, and then you can look at your moon sign, you can look at your rising sign. Those are the three sort of big identity places. Mm -hmm. And then if you're still really excited, get a professional reading from an astrologer who you like and trust and vibe with, and they can explain so much more about you to you, which is always an amazing experience to sort of be validated and to kind of have a mirror shown where you're like, wow, that is so true. And I never realized that about myself. And is the goal, would you say, to 
find ease, to find understanding? What, what is it that you love and that drew you to astrology as a profession? I think that for me, it's incredibly validating because I am a natural seeker and I'm always looking for the meaning behind things and why things are happening. I don't think that things just happen randomly. Hmm. I think that we have experiences and relationships in our life that come in to teach us something. And the way that we relate to those teachings, sometimes they're really hard and sometimes they're really amazing. But the first astrology reading that I got I felt so validated because I, you know, we're all really hard on ourselves and we, we kind of beat ourselves up like, God, I should have done that different. And why did I trust that person? And why did I blah, blah, blah. But when you can look at an astrology chart and someone can say, here is very likely why this happened, because in a chart, we can look at your potential crises, right? Like you might run up against some difficulty with communication within within your relationships and before maybe you just thought i'm a terrible communicator i make bad choices but understanding that in your chart that's one of the things that your soul came in to learn was i want to learn how to communicate better and more clearly and more effectively then it's gives you like okay this is intentional and then what did i learn what have i learned and can i become a better communicator over the course of my life Mm. And instead of looking at everything as something that is happening to you, it's switching it to, okay, this is happening for me. And how can I approach it differently? Yeah. And, and even in some cases, how can I turn the table so that I don't have to go through this again? And again, and again, (laughs) I always say it's like the map. So imagine that you're trying to hike through the mountains and you don't have a map and you're just you're making all these wrong turns and occasionally you find a great place to camp and occasionally you're like stuck under a rock in the rain but the astrology the natal chart is like the map where it says here's where you might want to try sleeping tonight right and so we can we do have free will so we get to choose whether we want to sleep there or not but there's something very grounding about just having the map of potentials to say, here's what might be happening. And if it happens, here's what you can do to remedy it if you want. Mm, it's so empowering and more impactful and more practical, I would say, than I think a lot of people realize. And, and for people that are listening who are, again, sort of entry level or just diving into it. I would say sun sign, right? That's the sign that most people identify with and know. In human design, the sun is 70% of your identity. How does that equate in astrology? Well, astrology in the sun, the sun rather is about who you are. Okay. So it's like, what are your core needs? What do you need to be doing in your life to feel like you're showing up as authentically as possible? What brings you a sense of creativity? and joy. And then what kind of reflection do you need from the people in your life in order to feel like, yeah, like I'm here, I'm happy, I'm loving it. So the sun is very much personal identity. And we have to go through a lot of interpersonal work to really get to that because we're not Mm. taught to have a personal identity. We are taught to behave the way that our parents and our society expects us to. So there's a fair amount of unpacking that has to happen 
which is why some people hear like, oh, I'm a Taurus sun. And they're like, eh, I don't really relate to that. So the sun sign is a really important piece of who we are. And it's a good thing to learn about. The moon sign is about how we experience our emotions, what kind of emotional support we need, where we find our emotional security. It relates to our relationship to our mother. The sun actually relates to our father. Mm. So, you know, and then the rising sign talks about who we are when we show up in new situations. So they're all very identity based. They're kind of, it's kind of like the trilogy of identity. And then the other planets and signs are bringing in elements of support and elements of information. But I always say, just start with the sun, moon and rising. And right. you can look, you know, am I getting these needs met? Rising and um, ascendant are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've heard of the elements as they relate to astrology. Could you dive into that a little bit? Cause I went down the rabbit hole on that. And I was like, that was fascinating to look at where you have more of your sign, maybe where there's something out of balance. Yeah. I mean the elements, so the fire element, and that is Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. I always say those are, that's like the land of the spirited right? Mm -hmm. It's energy action drive. So if you have a lot of fire, you can be somebody that's like outgoing, seeking, um, capturing these kinds of this kind of energy. Then we move into earth, which is Taurus, Virgo and Capricorn. So this is the land of logic, the land of ground, where what you see is what you get. The earth signs tend to be very focused Um, They can be black and white, very logical approach and very much about, you know, if I can hold it in my hand, then I know what I'm working with. And then we move into air, which is Gemini, Libra and Aquarius. And that is the land of the intellect. So a lot of mental activity, thoughts and processing and relating to other people through words, through communication. And then we have uh, water which is Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. And that is the land of the emotions. So water signs tend to, it's like what you see is not always what you get. Water is very unpredictable. It is very moody. It's very intuitive and empathic, easily overwhelmed, but there's, you can't, you can't hold water in your hand for long. It just keeps going. It's so fascinating. Your descriptions are so beautiful and electric and listening to you go through each of the elements and thinking about, I'm a Sagittarius. My husband is a Leo. My daughter is a cancer and my son is an Aquarius. And, and then for me, I have a Taurus moon and Aquarius rising. And so it's just so interesting to see how the family dynamics, do you do chart readings where pulling people together a lot? Is that a popular thing? Yeah, definitely. I have, I do a lot of relationship readings where we're looking at um, like a couple. And then I also do a lot of family readings and a lot of child readings where, you know, whether it's a new child to the family or the child is at a place where the parents and the child are kind of butting heads, we can get in and look and say, you know, first of all, here's what the mission is for you two together or for you as parents together with this child or with these children. Like, here's what you're here to teach each other. And also, here's probably what's happening, right? It's like, here's why there's the conflict. And if you want to mitigate the conflict, 
here's how you can support the child. And here's maybe some of the interpersonal work that you can do yourself so that whatever the child's doing isn't nearly as um, upsetting or as difficult. And I've gotten great feedback. You know, I even look at my own kids' charts all the time for like, okay, what's happening? Like, I feel like it made me such a better mother having their charts and understanding like, this kid needs this, that kid needs that. Here's where I get in my own way as a parent. And it's really kept our relationships pretty smooth. Oh, that's amazing. I run (laughs) running to book a reading right after this because it's true. And I look at this through the lens of human design, which is one of the modalities that I practice, but it's really about not taking every interaction so personally and also not trying to change or control or or forcibly do something in the interaction or with another person. Rather, what I hear you saying is just coming from a better place of love and understanding and compassion. And it sounds like having that foundation, it's not that those conflicts aren't gonna arise, it's just that you will have that lens through which to look at it through, which would hopefully make everything a little bit less intense, right? Well, yeah, it's like when we actually understand where somebody is coming from, or we understand what our driving forces are, it can really just add some ease. And I think that back to what we were talking about with the sun and being so conditioned to not be ourselves, that if we were parented like that, there's a good chance we're going to move into parent like that too. And our, our generation, like parents who are, I would say like 70s, 80s, 90s parents, we are inherently parenting differently because we're not into so much control, but we still bring some of the old stuff in with us. And so it can help to like, look at your kid's chart and say, I'm trying to get them to be like me. Like an example for me was that I was a really quiet kid. I was perfectly content sitting with a book and like my nose in a book. And like, that's all I wanted to do when I was younger was read. And then I had these two kids that were like wild and crazy and talkative and never, they were never quiet. And I kept thinking like, why aren't you just sitting there reading? And then realizing, oh, that's me and my conditioning. Like these are two completely different humans. And so then I had to look at my tendency to get overwhelmed, which is really what it was because I have a lot of water in my chart. Mm. And, you know, then I could do that work around protecting my energy so that their high energy just didn't affect me. And I wasn't trying to like force them to sit down and be quiet. (laughs) Right. That is such a powerful example. And I think that one, so many people can relate to whether they're the loud ones and then they have quiet people and they're trying to get them to be active and be engaged and be extroverted and, and be involved in all the things. And maybe they have a child that is a little bit more happy and content in their own space and skin or the example that you gave, which I can think of multiple people who are like, this is too much for me, but you want them to be able to shine and feel happy and, and good and not try to you know, dim or dull their lights. Yeah. And we can just apply even those same things to ourselves, you know, in our own charts is if we came from parents who required us to sit and be quiet. And I think that's part of what it was for me is my parents, they reacted to me a lot better when I wasn't real hyper and chatty and talkative because I can also be that. And 
then I come out and I look at my own chart and I see, wow, like I actually am a chatty, talkative person. And I'm going to honor that in, in myself instead of always seeing myself as introverted and needing to be quiet in order to be safe. So there's a lot that we can learn that we can see about ourselves that just previously was invisible just by looking at a natal chart. It's so amazing that there's so, there's so much information available to us. Why do you think that people have a block or an objection to this kind of learning and way of living? I mean, honestly, I think that it's something that goes back many, many hundreds, maybe thousands of years because things like astrology hold a lot of truth. And when you look back at when there were these big religious movements where they were wanting to, they wanted people to think that God was this and that we followed these rules. And so access to universal truth was really squelched. It was like the common people weren't supposed to have these magical tools at their disposal. They were supposed to be looking at whatever the religious God was. And I think that it's kind of continue to go like that. And people just aren't particularly conscious that there are all of these amazing tools and invisible information. I think we've also been a very earth sign society where it's like logic. You have to hold it in your hand to believe it. You have to scientifically prove something in order for it to work. But those of us that are really empathic, we know that you can't prove that you know when somebody's calling you, but how often does the phone ring and you're like, oh, that's Jacqueline. And they're like, it's Jack, oh my God, it's Jacqueline, <laughs> right? So it's like, I think that now there's this emergence, it's becoming a little bit more socially acceptable to have practices like astrology or human design or these typing systems that just help you to understand yourself. I mean, I think that's, probably the thing is that they, the powers that be, haven't really wanted us to have this really powerful esoteric information at our fingertips. Right. And it's so, it's so interesting to think about that so much of it is conditioning. I feel like I could give a TED talk on conditioning. I just like, I'm sure you do too. You talk about it, you talk about it because it just each day, a new element, if you're conscious and you're aware, unfolds for you that it's something that you have just taken for granted as, as fact, as truth, as a way to be, and just a little bit gets peeled off and a little bit gets peeled off. And it's so crazy to think that this is not information that is at the core of our social emotional learning as humans, as parents, as people in relationships, and people will spend money on therapy and psychiatrists and medicine and shopping and all the things. And yet there's these amazing tools that can have so much impact on their life. And there's a, this lens through which they're viewing it that they can't see through the other side yet, because I think a lot of people are starting to. And that's why I love what you're doing and what so many other people are doing to make it be more accessible and make it seem more just, it's a matter of fact, this is just how we look at things. It's just easy. It's just transparent. It, there's something about taking that incredible mystical information and bringing it to that earth level that I think is a special gift that people have. 
Yeah. It's so funny. Every time I talk to somebody that says, I don't believe in astrology, I'll say, well, have you ever had a professional astrology reading and say no. And I kind of laugh, you know, like I'm not, I'm not here to convince people that it works. I know it works because I have all of this evidence that it works personally and just working with clients. But I have also worked with, there are many women that buy readings for their husbands and their boyfriends and they show up at the readings and they're very skeptical. You know, they're like, this woman's just going to like cold read me and tell me about myself. But by the end of the reading, you can tell they're like a little bit mind blown, like, wow. Okay. I don't know how you knew that, but you know, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to have a superpower. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I'm curious if you would share how you went from somebody that was personally interested to having this incredible business that you've grown. I mean, I imagine when you were younger, being a professional astrologer was probably not something that you had considered. Maybe, maybe kids today are considering it, which is amazing. But I know for us, there was probably not that many examples in real life. Yeah, not at all. I got my first astrology reading and my mind was blown because it was a really tricky time in my life. And she basically explained what was happening. And from that point on, I was really fascinated. I mean, I was dabbling here and there, learning some stuff. I took a few little short classes and then I just, how these synchronicities work. I was on an email list for an astrologer and she sent out a call for apprentice and I applied and I got it. And I ended up working with her for a year training under her. She's a master astrologer. And that was like, it, I was getting astrology downloads in my dreams. It was mm. like every night I would wake up and I would say, well, that was a Neptune night. I couldn't remember what I was learning, but I knew that, that it was like my personal calling and purpose. And I, by the way, had been a life coach. So I already had a life coaching practice, but you know, with a life coaching practice, you have to get the information out of people. You have to ask for the stories and the memories and make the connections. But with astrology, you already have the map. So I can just dive right in and say, do you want to tell me a little bit about your mom? Why, why it might've been a tricky relationship. And they're like, oh my God, it was so tricky. So that was how I really launched in. I worked with Jamie for a year, really intensively. And then I worked under the umbrella of her practice uh, for another year. And then I went out on my own and have just been developing my practice. And at this point, I do a lot of astrology teaching as well, because like you said, giving people these tools, you know, I can, I can catch the fish for them and serve it to them by doing a reading. And then there's some people that want to learn how to fish themselves. So I love all of the aspects. I love helping people to understand situations in their lives through a reading. And I love teaching people because we are at a time period where we need as many people with as many modalities, human design, tarot readers, astrologers, energy healers, all of these people like are here to help usher in more consciousness as more and more people wake up. Mm, I love that. So what are some of the times that people come to you for readings? Is it at the beginning of the year? Is it in transition periods? What's a good time for someone to dive into something? Well, I always say getting a reading right around your birthday is a good idea because you get a brand new like birthday chart. So you can see what your upcoming themes for the year are, but also anytime you're just feeling 
I'm confused, I'm agitated, there's something happening in my life that I don't understand. I feel like it's one thing after another. So I will usually, it's funny because people will book and then I'll go into their charts and prep before the reading. And I always ask, you know, what are you hoping to learn or what do you, what do you want to focus on? And they'll say like, I want to focus on career and life purpose. So I'll look at their chart and sure enough, that career and life purpose area is being really hammered because we have transits, which are when the planets in the sky are making connections with our personal planets. And that's when things kind of, that's when we're in the thick of learning some big lesson. And I can always nail it and say, oh, that's why you're here. Like you're feeling that particular transit. So like you showed up on this call and you said, I've just been like feeling kind of unwell the past few days. And mm-hmm. even without looking at your chart, we're like, oh, that's the moon. Right. <laughs> it can very well be the moon impacting you. So I think anytime that you're having an issue in your life, or you're wanting to know what's coming down the pipeline for you, or maybe you've never had a reading and you're just like, tell me what you see. Like, it's all a good time to get a reading. Is it true that there's certain signs that are better matches than others? I feel like that's one of those things that um, either people are confused by or people, you know, uses an excuse maybe if they're not having a good energy with somebody. What do you think about that? Well, I'd say that every sign has a high side and a low side, and it really operates on a spectrum. So to say I have a Pisces sun, what kind of signs would I be compatible with? That's a little broad because, you know, the sun is only a single planet. It's a Mm. big planet, but it's only a single planet. There's this entire pie that, that you want to take into account. But like, if you feel like every time I date a Gemini, like I end up getting screwed over, that is kind of an indication to you that maybe you're pulling in Geminis that are on the lower vibrational side, right? Like a Gemini that Ah. is flaky and that you can't count on and goes back on their word. Cause that can be a Gemini thing, but like a higher side of Gemini is like, I'm a really good communicator. Like I really want to have interesting conversations with you. So that might be a a you thing. If you find like, (laughs) if if ever, if anyone's sitting there is like, I hate Scorpios. Right. Right. They're so intense. It's so much. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And maybe that person has a bunch of Scorpio in their chart that they're not wanting to look at. And so then somebody shows up as a mirror and you're like, I don't want to look in that mirror. (laughs) Right, right. And, and also what's coming into me is just what you're saying is that the people that are intimate in your life, you know, the, the, your family and your closest friends, there's a reason, right, that they've been called towards you. And it would be so interesting to do a little bit of a dive looking at the astrology overlays and where you are mirroring or, you know, getting that reflection from somebody else or where they're coming in to show you where you're not living up to your fullest potential and things like that. Exactly. I mean, we will pull in teachers and mirrors in support systems all the time in our relationships. And a lot of times, you know, we're all going from side to side on the spectrum of all of the signs. And we have every single sign and every planet in our chart. So if you're somebody that's like, I hate Scorpios, well, guess what? You have Scorpio in your chart somewhere and you have Pluto, which is the planet that rules Scorpio. So 
you want to look at, you want to kind of zoom out and take a look at the broad overview of what is this person here to teach me? Mm-hmm. And, and is it a nice lesson? Is it an alignment or is it an assignment? And if it's an assignment, then you turn that in and say, okay, how am I, you know, how am I showing up? Am I doing the work or am I ditching the class? Because if you ditch the class and you don't do the assignment, you're going to have to retake it in the next person. Oh no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking about that right now. I'm curious your take on, because we all have our own personal astrology and chart, but then when there's things that are happening to everybody, how do you, how do you balance that? Or how do you look at that? Is there an order? Do you look at the global first and then bring it in? Or do you do it reverse? I mean, you look at both. Okay. Because right now we're seeing um, a huge breakdown in the government, in, in the governmental structures. We just know that because we are living in a world where we're watching the old ways of being kind of crumble. And that's really in alignment with the astrology. It's because of the planet Pluto in the sign of Capricorn and Pluto is the great transformer. Mm-hmm. So Pluto comes along and really shakes the ground and makes the broken things fall. And so we're watching the broken things fall right now. And that's part of why we're all like so destabilized is because even though they were broken, they are still what we knew. Now that's affecting all of us. But if if you have like um, a planet in your chart that is working in a difficult way with the Pluto in the sky, you're really going to feel it. So even when it's like we're, we all feel a moon, a full moon. And sometimes we really feel the full moon because it's at the same place in the sky that one of the planets was when you were born. What I'm taking from it is that there are things that we will all feel. And then we can also have a very varied reaction and response and experience within that broader thing that will all like there's a spectrum from which you'll experience something that's happening globally yes exactly okay and then the houses so this is where my mind is like okay there's the planets and the signs and then there's houses which each rule a different thing how does that all overlay (laughs) so you want to look at it sort of like there's three different wheels So they're all laid on top of each other. The houses represent the areas of life. The planets represent the dynamics of life. And then the signs represent the ways that those dynamics play out. So Mm -hmm. one of the things that my mentor, Jamie, taught me is she said to look at it like the planet is the character. So Pluto is the character. Capricorn is the costume that the character is wearing and the backdrop of that's on the stage is the house. So sometimes you're going to have these, you know, a beautiful character in beautiful robes with a castle in the background. And sometimes you're going to have a dumpster behind you and a beautiful character in, um, you know, wearing like a bird suit. And it's like, what is going on? This doesn't fit. And that will show up in our own lives. So we have these places where it's like, 
ease and flow. This thing always goes well for me, never had a problem. And then other places where you're like, why is this always so hard? Like, how come I can't ever nail this? And that's just part of, you know, if we say our souls want to come in and learn certain things, we come in with certain gifts and skills to fortify and support us. And we come up, come in with specific difficulties and burdens that we're meant to really work through and understand. What ways have you found to work through those burdens? Well, I mean, one thing, and I talk a lot about this, like on my podcast and with a lot of podcast guests, because I work with people, a lot of clients who are playing around with sobriety. So mm. I have a lot of um, water in my chart. And so I am very empathic. I am very affected. I had a lot of experiences growing up where I just felt overwhelmed all the time because I was feeling other people's feelings and getting information that wasn't obvious. And I thought it was me. So one of the ways that I learned how to like chill myself out was drinking. And I never was like a raging alcoholic, but it became very habitual. And it was like, I'm trying to medicate my anxiety and overwhelm because I'm so sensitive with alcohol. And what I realized in looking at astrology and studying it, I was like, I have to stop drinking. And part of that was because I knew that there was no way I was going to be able to work with people and be a clear conduit because that's kind of what I'm doing when I'm reading a chart is it's not necessarily like my thoughts and my words that I'm translating. It's just kind of coming through. I'm like, I can't do this if I'm muddying it up by drinking wine every night. And so that was one of the things that I learned how to, you know, here is a burden anxiety, overwhelm. And here is one of the ways that I can really mitigate it, which is becoming a clear and clean channel. So I, and I have a million examples like that of how I've used astrology to really help. Same with mothering. I think I would have not been a very good mother. Like I said, if I hadn't had some astrology to rest on, cause I would have been mothering in, I, I would have been mothering out of my anxiety and overwhelm instead of from stepping into a knowingness and, and more power. Mm. Again, so many synchronicities. I too have had a very interesting relationship with alcohol and I'm at two years and three months um, of not drinking. Literally December 31st, 2019, I had my last drink. And wow. so that's so beautiful that you shared that. And I, I've definitely have also talked about that on the podcast. And it's so funny. It's one of those things that people are very curious about. And as a person that now doesn't drink, and I just call it alcohol-free, right? Because it wasn't an alcoholic situation by any means, although I do have alcoholism in my family history, so I don't call it that. I don't call it sober. I don't even call it sober curious again, because I feel like that takes away from people who are truly having, you know, those types of experiences. And it just, it's so interesting. It makes people so uncomfortable at first. And you don't even realize how much alcohol permeates all of our culture and all of our different aspects of life until you're able to step away from that and, and break from that. And now it's something that I never think about. 
And it's just agreed so much more clear, so much more flowing, so much more aligned. And I love it. And I'm so glad that you shared that with people and, you know, people can learn from your lesson in that. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you. And it's the same. It's like, and I talk a lot about this too, is that you don't have to have any of the coping mechanisms that you're using to numb yourself from your experience. And there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. It's not that you have to have a big raging problem, but if you are in the business of spiritual awakening and you're really feeling like you're kind of waking up to who you really are, then you have to, at some point, start looking at what you're using to block yourself from being with yourself and from really seeing yourself clearly. And that can show up, you know, astrologically. I find that people that have a lot of water in their charts, because that's the emotional porousness Mm. and a lot of earth as well, because the earth can really act like a harsh inner critic that we're just carrying around, just constantly telling us what we're doing wrong and how to do it differently. And so, you know, I think that if you're interested in coming into a deeper connection with yourself, your higher self, and being a light bringer to the world that you have to start by just looking at yourself, like, again, where am I blocking myself? Mm, And it can be really, it can be scary. It can be challenging. I think, you know, there's a reason why so many people are numbing or avoiding or medicating because we're afraid of what we're going to find or we, you know, it's the whole Pandora's box analogy. One of the ones that's been coming up for me a lot lately is my phone mm-hmm. and dependence on, on looking at it, on checking it. Even if I have notification silence, which I do, I started doing do not disturb come 10 o'clock. So from 10 PM to 7 AM, I have do not disturb on that has been a nice shift because I'm not checking messages. It's sort of like I'm off the phone then, but I really have been noticing a pull towards it. And similar to with the drinking or similar to, I just did a month with no sugar. If it is taking up mental space for me, that is how I identify it as something that I need to dig deeper into because my time thinking about what's happening there is preventing me from being in this moment. And there is no louder and clearer message for me right now than I need to be in this moment. So that reminds me of all of this Pisces energy and Mm. how Pisces is a sign that is often associated with addiction and illusions, disillusion, distortion, and something about the phone, because I'm right there with you. The phone actually invites in all of these things that can make us fearful that are somewhat distorted because whether you're looking at mainstream media or social media, a lot of it's totally filtered. So you're not actually really getting what's happening. You're getting somebody's um, filtered version of what's happening, right? Like even just using facial filters, when you look at all of these amazingly gorgeous women that are so perfect and sparkly, and then tap in and you scroll down their feed and it's like, oh, that's actually a totally regular looking person. So 
while we're in all of this strong Piscean energy, which by the way, we will be in all year because we have Neptune and Jupiter in the sign of Pisces. So this goes for the whole year for all of us is that you want to be really careful about what you're letting into your field, whether it's something like drugs or alcohol, or you're scrolling and you're like getting hooked on like graphic fearful images, or you're listening to a bunch of people like pontificating about their opinions about what you should be doing with your life. Like be so hyper aware this year of all of those things that you allow in that are addictive in nature that really block you from being right here in the present moment. Because right here in the present moment is that's where it's at. That's mm-hmm. where the magic is. That's where the connection to the divine energy is, connection to your higher self. It's like right here. I love that message. I was going to ask you if there was anything that else that was on your heart that you wanted to share and that that is still um, open for you. But I'm taking in what you just said as such a beautiful medicine and gift for my heart. And, you know, before we hopped on, I had just seen something that Eckhart Tolle, I guess a, a quote that we're trained and conditioned to look for the next moment, because that's where we think it's going to be better. That's where we think the magic is. And it's all right here. And that is such a shift that I think is, I mean, for me, it's not even a daily practice. It's an hourly practice. It's a minute by minute practice because we have spent all of our years up until now, up until consciousness or more mindfulness, looking forward, looking at lack. What don't I have? What do I want to get? What do I need? And I'm, oh, it's like, no, right here, right now, I don't need anything. And I have to continue to remind myself. So if other people out there are listening and feeling (laughs) also that they have to continue to practice that, let's do this together because I think you just need more people talking about it and reminding you. Yeah, uh, we're like fantasizing about the future or reminiscing about the past and we're missing what's here. And that's something I have a membership and I, that's sort of the main focus of the membership is coming back into awareness, you know, using what's happening astrologically as the guide, but coming back into awareness. And like, I teach this stuff and I'm like, you, I need to remember it. It's like a minute by minute practice. And I can have these moments of beautiful, rich awareness and presence. And then all of a sudden eight hours has gone by. And I realize that I've been completely dissociated and disconnected off in my mind somewhere, not being present. So it's a practice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and it sounds like astrology is such a beautiful and perfect fit for having us be present because each and every day there are new things happening and being able to be aware of those and connect with those and experience those and toss it around and, huh, how is this affecting me? And where did this show up? Um, Seems like a beautiful synchronicity. Yeah, it's a structure. You know, it's like just you know, if you were to show up to a class and the teacher's like, well, what do you guys want to do today? You'd be like, I'm not really learning anything from this class. Like I'm supposed to come up with what we're learning. And I like astrology because even if, you know, like I was saying in the membership, we work with the sign that the sun is in. So it's like this month is a Pisces month. We're we're tapping into intuition. We're looking at our coping mechanisms at where we allow fear and delusion to creep in, where we connect in with our higher power. Like that's the structure. (laughs) It's like kind of a relief, like, okay, good. We don't have to, that's where we're focusing this month. 
Right. Oh, I love that. I love that. And that's such a beautiful thing also to share with my other solopreneurs who are looking to figure out business and grow business. I hear all the time questions about content. People don't feel like they know what to say or they don't, they're not experts. And for whatever their field is, I am sure that there are content models, there are themes, there are structures, there's archetypes and I love helping people figure that out. And I love that that's one that you're using because it's, it is, there's so much juicy wisdom all over the place. And we don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. We don't have to create this magical framework from our minds. We can use the wisdom and the intuition that's coming in, attaching it to something that is more well-known or something that has this ancient aspect to it. Yeah. It's like what you were saying earlier is, you know, is everybody impacted by what's happening in the sky? And the answer is like, yeah, everyone's impacted by the sun. So whether you're doing human design or you're doing, you know, you're selling cosmetics, it doesn't really matter. You could still take the sign of the sun and focus your monthly focus on that because we're all feeling it, you know, in Pisces season, we're all sort of a little bit more like, wow, what the heck is going on? And in Aries season, we're like, all right, let's get moving. Like, let's start mm. something. Spring is coming or, you know, so it, it is applicable across the board. Right. Right. Oh, that's so good to know. That's a really good tip for people that um, are looking to blend maybe different modalities together or trying to put more of their soul and their passion or hobbies into a business that doesn't necessarily fit in their mind in something that's healing or energy work, like what we do. So I love that. I love that guidance. Yeah. And you know, it's a great time for collaboration because we're moving into more community-based things. Just, we just are. And so if you're somebody listening and you're like, I don't know, I would feel like such a poser if I just started using astrology. Find an astrologer to partner with. Maybe you guys can really help each other's businesses. Maybe you can create some magic, some alchemy together. Um, and, you know, so don't be limited to thinking, I don't know this well enough to actually use it because this is like the more that we all can come together in community and get to know who, what we all bring to the table, the better. Mm, that is so true. So true. Tell everyone where they can find you and access your incredible wisdom and readings and membership and everything. So my name is Natha Campanella and you can find me at nathacampanella.com. I am also on Instagram and I'm posting a lot. So Natha Campanella Astrology. And yeah, I would love to meet anybody, work with anybody. And like I said, there's some freebies on my website. So you can grab some of those too. Thank you so much. I will definitely be linking to those. And I am so grateful that you came on and shared all of your incredible wisdom and energy with all of us. This is awesome for me too. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.